I'm Kira Rodenbush, professional organizer and licensed massage therapist. After spending a quarter of a century cleaning out closets and two decades of massaging bodies, I've noticed layers and patterns in the way we store our stuff. I've seen firsthand how the organization of the home impacts the condition of the body. I'm fascinated by the accumulation of stuff and how what we hold on to informs our identities and how much we can transform when we decide to let things go. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of What's Up With Your Stuff. This little podcast here that is uh, conversations on the consequences of clutter. I am your hostess with the mostess, Miss Kira Rodenbush, and I want to talk to you today about where I've been and where I'm going. Um, the title of this episode, Too Much Time on My Hands, it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. It's a little bit uh, all of the things. I don't know if you've noticed, but <clears throat> a lot of my episodes, most of them, as a matter of fact, are song titles and that's just kind of the way my brain works um as i'm categorizing things and tidying them away uh i do a lot of of speaking in analogies and metaphors and um song lyrics and song titles and movie dialogue all these things tend to factor prominently into my communication style so uh, i'm trying to like sort of get to the meat of what this episode is going to be about and I think part of why it's so difficult for me to um put this one out is because I feel like it requires this level of honesty I feel like each one of these solo cast episodes I'm sort of peeling back another layer of who I am and um why I like to show up in service to the world the way that I do and, um, wow. Okay. So let's just jump right into it. You know, where are we? It's June, mid June, 2022. Um, I began this podcasting journey in, um, I began putting it together what I was going to do in October of 2021 and spent a couple of months kind of, you know, figuring out what the content was going to look like and sketching out what the trajectory might be. And I, I have this story that I want to tell about how we, as a, a species, how we interact with our belongings and how our things show up in our stories. And I'm also really fascinated with, um, I mean, part of why I named it What's Up With Your Stuff is because I love asking people, you know, what what's going on with them and, and how uh, they themselves interact with their belongings, uh, maybe on a professional level, on a personal level, how their identity clutter factors into who they are as an individual and as a professional. And so there's like all these little, uh, I guess maybe life lessons that I'm trying to sort of touch on with each one of my guests. And, um, not that I have any life lessons to impart specifically, but just sort of 
to go a little bit deeper with, with each individual into how they're showing up in their experience and how that kind of shows up with their stuff that they're carrying with them through their experience. So what in the heck is all of this rambling on about? Okay. Well, we've been in this sort of uh, what I call the perpetual pandemic reality going on about two years. And this thing happened. It was a day. Okay. So as we were going into pandemic mid-March of 2020, I was in the process of pivoting from my full-time massage practice uh, where I was part of a wonderful collective with some amazingly talented therapists into, I just wanted to do something more and different with massage. And I had this idea about the fact that, I mean, I didn't know what it looked like. I was taking coaching classes to try to figure out what it looked like. What is this thing I'm trying to do with stuff and bodies? And, and when the opportunity to, uh, well, okay. I, I was, I was ready to pivot. I was making packages of, of my time, organizing time and massage time packaged together so that we could do this thing where we go through your house and then you're getting massage consistently throughout the process so that the stuff that's leaving your space is leaving your body as well. And like, this was like this fabulous idea, right? I was ready to just go for it. Gangbusters. And then, dun, 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 we all know what happened mid-March of 2020, uh, everything shut down and I wasn't going anywhere and I definitely wasn't putting my hands on people or going into their homes. So uh, I really, after doing this work of massage specifically so intentionally and intensely for the last 20 years, I had a bit of a, a personal like almost like a, a a crisis, like an identity crisis. Like I didn't know if I wanted to go back into touching people again, the way I had been as open to the public and as ready to grow a business as I had been. Um, the idea of getting my hands all over people and going into their personal space just seemed, it started to feel a little less like, woohoo, let's just do this. Um, and I mean, obviously the culture that we're living in and the, the perpetual pandemic reality, which I'll just call PPR <laughs> while we're going through this episode so I can shorten it for us all. Uh, the PPR kind of made it so that, that that was not the most salient, uh, it did not feel like the best way of moving forward in the world and, and creating a business for myself. Not to mention the fact that I'm like trying to homeschool my kids and uh, or just at least supervise distance learning for the, oh God, nobody wanted to do any of it. Right. So it just everything came to a grinding halt. My husband was working from the basement and miserable in his job and working literally four times as hard as he had been prior to the pandemic, all from our dank and musty basement and um, with none of the snacks or views that his 
pre-pandemic experience had provided him with. And so he was miserable down there. And I mean, whatever, who are we kidding? It's my husband. He's pretty much miserable in any sort of a working situation. The guy's like, he's definitely uh, not lazy, but does not like work and does not like work. He's not a, he's, he's not, he's not someone who dreams of, he doesn't dream of a job. <laughs> When you say, what's your dream job? He says, I don't dream of labor. So anyway, um, not like myself, not like somebody who gets all geeked out about going through people's things or helping them feel better and like all that stuff. So anyway, you know, Jack Spratt and his wife, right? So well, anyway, that being said, uh, he was just not doing well in the basement and I was taking care of the kids and we were one of those families that... Um, Okay, here's where it gets really honest. I'm just going to be brutally honest. Uh, we would not get by even prior to the pandemic. We're a benefits family. Like we live in uh, rent controlled, low income housing. We receive food benefits. We um, are getting by like raising three kids under the the line here in America. I mean, we managed to because we have a lot of fantastic resources we managed to definitely stay relatively afloat uh, but let's be honest I was sort of raised with this it was a rude awakening for me to be uh, struggling this way as a parent um, I, I was not raised with the expectation that it was going to be this difficult at all at all at all and again let's look at the reality that i was growing up in where uh four bedroom homes were available for much more affordably than they are today and um there were you know the what we're dealing with right now is historically a really rough thing so during the pandemic um i uh, we qualified for all the benefits that were out there and we got our, um, child tax credit. And I took advantage of the fact that we had not filed our taxes for several years previous because the, uh, department of education would take our income tax return, which we were waiting on every year as uh you know struggling parents with kids i don't have to tell you if you if this is your experience you know what i'm talking about you wait for that tax return to take care of you know the big things that you haven't been able to take care of the rest of the year and eventually i began to realize throughout this process of waiting on the tax return to take care of that stuff that it was just sort of filling in the gaps that were there the rest of the year so it wasn't like we could ever actually get ahead. And I mean, there are all kinds of reasons for why we are in the situation that we're in financially, but none of them are moral failings. Most of them are just choices that we made that were, mm, some might call them questionable. Others provided us with wonderful opportunities. And ultimately when we're under lockdown or dealing with, um, limited resources worldwide, none of that stuff matters. Like we're all sort of weathering the same storm right now, right? And, and in many ways, I feel better equipped for the oncoming um, tsunami of uh, insecurity that's going to hit us all. 
But as we've been going through this process, um, I'm ours is one of the families that's been really dramatically impacted by the um, the uh, the child tax credit. Like we were one of those families that was lifted out of poverty uh, on a monthly basis by getting the the child tax credit. Um, and then when it went away, I mean, yes, again, it was helpful for the taxes, but it's just, it's been almost, I don't want to say impossible, but it's just absolutely unbelievable trying to have three kids in three different schools when quite literally every day for the last month of school, there were gun threats and kill lists and hoaxes and all of the things that we are terrified to send our kids to school, all the things that terrify us, all those things were happening the whole last week of school. The last day that my daughter went to school to take her finals, um, four of her, like the last week that she was in school, four of her seven teachers were out with COVID. So the, like the schools are running on a skeleton crew and the ones who are, do show up and are there are just absolutely exhausted and terrified and overworked and underappreciated. And the kids are having a really hard time for the most part recalibrating. And so the last couple of weeks, I've had a couple of these days that were like um, pre-pandemic level uh, busyness where I had to get from place to place and run the errands and do, do the, the errand, like all the things, right? Like <laughs> get the kids where they needed to be and get myself where I needed to be and, and do the shopping. And I always call those Goodfellas days because those are like when uh, Ray Liotta is all twacked out at the end and has to go and like get his brother and like go home and stir the sauce and the helicopters are following him. Like that's how I felt on this day. And I was just like, okay, before, in the before times, this was just a normal day. This is how we did. And in these after times, um, I'm not down. I ain't into it. I don't, I'm not into the hustle culture anymore. Um, I don't know if that's because I turned 50 over the course of the pandemic and the lockdown, or if it is because, um, you know, menopause hit and all of the, like the breaks through, <laughs> I, I had to stop what I was doing. And that's like trying to, you know, restart the Titanic at this point. It's like getting, getting Bessie moving again. It's like, yeah, it ain't happening. Um, that's not to say I don't have energy. I do. I love waking up and meditating and going and working out and taking care of all the things and staying on top of it with the home and, all of that stuff is amazing. I'm just not into the part where we are um, running ourselves absolutely ragged, exhausted, trying to keep up with a reality that is not serving us ultimately. So what does all of this have to do with the decluttering piece of it? Well, obviously, um, the more we're 
rushing around and running around, uh, the more distracted we remain, the less present we're able to be with one another. And I feel like those distractions come with the need to accumulate all the other stuff. And how do we, like this other thing happened in the pandemic, which was that we, because we didn't have to go anywhere and our needs were met, even though we were so insecure with the, you know, civil unrest and the raging pandemic and uh, all of the, the, the climate, the, the crises that are making things uh, sometimes unlivable and the, our seasonal weather situations, our weather events are becoming major events and um, displacing folks from their homes. So Portland really experiences uh, pretty consistently a, a, an awareness of where its unhoused population is um, there where the communities are because it's really in your face. So all these things are happening on the outside. So on the inside, there's like a influx of resources for our family by way of uh, child tax credits and um, income taxes from prior years that we decided to file because the Department of Education was not grabbing uh, loans in default out of our income tax return. And we were able to actually get that money for our family. And, um, you know, my husband is, uh, he's just never, like I said, never loved work. So trying to find something for him that would keep him, um, just above board, you know, like sane, actually, his mental health was starting to really suffer because there hasn't been any sense of real worth in, in the workplace. Um, because the, you know, we're just, we're one of those families when you read the, the, the articles about like the great resignation and why people don't want to go back you know, my husband's reasons for not wanting to go back are beyond valid. Like when you look at, um, how the, uh, the workplace has not done anything to really support, um, families in a particular bracket. Like there's a, it's just the, it's so weird to see it play out because it sounds like, oh, well, you know, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But when there are no bootstraps and that's the expectation and you have kids and uh, their needs come first, it, it just it's uh, I always tell Andrew, my husband, like, OK, so this month we can either live or pay our bills, which is it going to be? We cannot do both. We can't afford to do both we're not bringing it in. One of us has to always be available to take care of the kids and shuttle them from place to place or be on call for, um, the, the, the lockdown threats and the, the, the mental health days that are necessary to 
keep kids in public schools feeling secure um, because it's not, it's not the way it's supposed to be, right? So as we're trying to like move forward, get back to the way things were, it's not going to happen. There's no getting back to the way things were because number one, the way things were was not working for everyone. The way things were in the before times, like we all know that this pandemic just shone the light so brightly on where the discrepancies are in our matrix and where the the our culture's pain points are like they just got just glaringly spotlit and so we can look at all that stuff and be like all right so what do we do to make things better moving forward and when you look at the model that exists is only the the model from before and that was responsible for that model was responsible for getting our most marginalized and uh, vulnerable and and brilliant folks killed <laughs> essentially it was like you know running off of a uh, sick people and uh, keeping them sick and then chewing up our are people that need our protection more than any others, uh, just sort of throwing them onto the front lines, which has been par for the course since this experiment got started, right? Okay, so my point being, like, life is trucking along until March 2020 when the brakes get thrown, and then in May of 2020, we collectively witness uh, the, a, a snuff film on live TV and, and have to face the fact that not only are our authority figures actively murdering people on a regular basis, like that's sort of what's been driving this experience the whole time. All of this stuff is happening at the same time. Meanwhile, wildfires are raging and hurricanes are ravaging and torn. Just like, oh my God. It's like, what do we do with all of this? And now, fast forward to like, okay, well, we're vaccinated enough like <laughs> to open up the doors and move forward and just deal with this, move perpetual pandemic reality into endemic reality. And we're just going to have to keep moving forward, hurtling ourselves, trying to hustle again. Meanwhile, pretend like nothing's bothering anyone. And all of the, the mental health strides that we're, folks were trying to make going into this pandemic have just been washed away. And, and so now it's like maybe one step forward, five steps back. So we have all of these kids who uh, all feel disenfranchised and they're all thrown back into these little containers and we are making it possible for them to arm themselves and take their frustration into their own hands. So, 
Wow, that's life affirming, right? Like what a what an inspiring little picture I've just painted. But so the idea of raising kids inside of all of this when your basic resources are and your basic needs are are not necessarily I mean if they're met it's because other you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Like there's always some sort of a deficit in one of the arenas. So this is exhausting. So what can you do? Um, <laughs> take care of your insides. Take care of your space. Be mindful. Breathe. Declutter. Get rid of those negative thoughts. Don't allow blah, 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 right? Like all the things that um, are supposed to help us stay present and stay focused and don't actually cost anything. All of those, um, those ladders on the basic hierarchy of needs, all those rungs on that ladder are, they're all relative and that's where we start, right? And then with the general gentle inventory of everything that we have around us and in our space and uh, what are our belongings and what do we need. So throughout this pandemic time, as I've sort of pivoted my practice, I've also taken on the following courses. I've done a trauma-informed coaching component through the coaching school that I've been attending on and off and dipping into for the past eight years. I took a podcasting course and hurtled myself into a podcasting journey headfirst. I began, uh, I returned to my boot camp which I absolutely love and that keeps me focused and driven in a way that nothing else ever really has. I uh, began my Ayurvedic fundamentals course, year-long course, and that piece of it, the Ayurvedic fundamentals course, is where I want to pivot to talk about why that piece of it is so important inside of the rest of what I'm talking about. <clears throat> so in the middle of the pandemic, when the resources were flush, I felt like I really needed to just stock up on all of the, the, the necessary um, bug out basement um, <laughs> items and make sure I had enough water, make sure I had enough, uh, rice and tomato sauce and grains and pasta and beans and canned meats and spices and things that, um, all the, all the things that I would need to keep my family going for, you know, six months off the grid. And, uh, I got a deep freezer for all of the meals that needed to be frozen. I just went a little bit, I didn't prep out all the way hard, but I definitely, um, took advantage of the lockdown 
and the abundance of resources to make sure that my family was going to be okay. And after several months of this new reality, when some of those items were not budging and beginning to accrue that like a little film of dust on top of them or a little layer of residue from just sitting unmoved, I was like, all right, this is not how I want to live. And the Ayurveda training coming in at the exact right time that my brain needed to like start to rewire itself and think about how I wanted to go into the second half of my life. Ayurveda says burn up the reserves and, and use it all up. Like live close to the bone. Don't take more than you need. Like live inside of the footprint that you're creating. And that to me now with the with the massage, with the organizing, I mean, it just is so reassuring to me to like, I don't, it helps you to the, the study of this ancient Indian wisdom of Ayurveda, the science of life is just sort of a really elegant way of holding up a mirror to the individual and showing you that whatever you're experiencing is a direct result of your actions and your exposure to your elements and that the difference in results is accessible to you if you just flip what is happening on its head. Uh, sometimes that can feel like a little bit of privilege, a lot of privilege. And by the same token, it's really the opposite of privilege. It's about working with what's immediately in your hands, whatever that is. Like, it's not about reaching outside of your resources to get the things. It's about using what's inside of, of your orbit. Uh, it fascinates me, this science of Ayurveda. So throughout this, um, this period of, you know, the PPR, uh, as I'm trying to mom effectively, and I've started this podcasting journey, really diving a little deeper into these conversations that I've always wanted to have with people, um, not just about their belongings, but about what they do and, and how they show up with their props in the world and, and what that means to them. Um, as I've dove deeper into this journey, it, it just began to take on a bit of a life of its own. The people that I went on this journey with became some of my closest friends that I was talking to um, with such a consistency. We just got involved in each other's nearly daily lives. Um, it's a fantastic opportunity. It has been for me to expand the way I wanted to communicate with people. And I think that part of the journey has been realizing that like, even if this is just me sitting in my closet, talking to myself, it's my story and I get to tell it. And that is something that, you know, we all have our stories to tell. And, and I'm not trying to, uh, 
negate anyone and by the same token i'm not blowing sunshine up anyone's rear it's just that who really cares <laughs> right like who really cares about your story like we all are like oh yeah uh-huh uh-huh like some I, we we show up to hear about it but most of us walk through this world feeling like yeah but who wants to hear my story Nobody really wants to hear my story. So I guess that's what I mean is that as much as we may enjoy listening to other people, we really want that opportunity to tell our own story at some point, right? This podcasting journey and the availability of this peer group to show up with such vulnerability and just share their stories and, and all of the different trajectories that their that lives can take and all the various amazing perspectives that, that, uh, that folks sh like filter this wild ride through. It's just amazing. It's been so much fun. So, um, as I've been putting these things together and uh, slow, like, I, I feel like I finally kind of started to get it all back on track. And then, you know, the kids break for summer again. And then uh, mom's needs are historically, and it seems like time for, <laughs> they think for time immemorial, they get shelved, right? So that I can sort of pivot and take care of everybody else. And like Andrew and I did a really good job over the school year of tag teaming the experience and, you know, even just like showing up together to take care of so many of these things. Um, but it's just, there's never that like wide open space to just pursue the conversation to the bitter end so that you've been able to distill it and, and get it like crystallized into like what it is that you're trying to say because somebody's needs always have to be met. Somebody, somebody always wants a freaking sandwich. So, uh, you know, I, I feel like I haven't been able to sit down and record this particular episode because it was going to require that that honesty of like what's really been going on and what's really been going on is that we've just been trying to keep it together like just honestly trying to keep it together and it's never intended like my honesty is not like a boohoo poor me sort of a thing at all because I am always very aware of how unbelievably blessed we are as a family, as a unit. I, you know, my husband makes me, oh my God, he makes me so mad. He makes me so mad. And, oh, he makes me so happy. He makes me so happy. So like if one of the, it's, I always get, even on a daily basis, even when he's like, oof, when the, when everything feels like it's just like, just spackled together with spit and toilet paper. Even on those days, I still feel like I get like 65% hot, yummy hubby. So that's great. You know, like I can, <laughs> I can work with those odds. Um, and then the kids, they're, they're just, it's happening so fast. Like this part is happening so, so fast. So yes, I know I could be like constantly, 
telling them to bug off. I have another episode I'm trying to put together or just carving out the time for myself. But when you look at that life of self-care that I'm doing my darndest to show up and embody, um, it's a full-time gig. It's a full-time gig to wake up and remind yourself that you're going to be grateful every freaking morning to wake up and start. I mean, yes, it starts to become a habit, but the waking up, meditating, uh, dry skin brushing, tongue scraping, drink the warm water with the lemon and the pink salt, uh, go work out, come home, do the self massage and shower, run downstairs, have the protein shake, wake the kids up, do the oil pulling, <laughs> like all these things, even before 7am, you know, like on a, on a, like once the summer comes around, we're just like, yeah, routine is off for a while. And then just trying to get it back there and realizing that we all feel better. The kids won't necessarily admit it. Andrew and I definitely feel better when we are on our routine. And it makes the fact that, you know, there may not be so many zeros in the bank account. That's irrelevant when you have your health and when you have the, um, the, the, oh, I don't want to say self-care and because all of this sounds so ableist and so like privileged, but it's part of why I guess it's that when I start to wonder where is it going to come from, I have to just take care of what I've got. And it's a gratitude practice of digging in and doubling down on caring for the belongings that we already have, stripping away what's unnecessary, being really sweet to myself, feeding our family as deliciously as possible, spending quality time together, um, having a little bit of fun, laughing, like finding the things that don't cost any money that remind you of why are we doing this thing when the God between like, seriously, it's terrifying. It's terrifying when you look at your kids and you're like, I actually don't know if you're going to have a world in 50 years. I really don't like, hopefully we figure this stuff out. So what do you do in the meantime? You know, my daughter was just watching Titanic the other day and she's like, oh, I only have about 30 more minutes to go. And then she clicks the time and she's like, ah, an hour and 45 minutes. Oh my God. How long is it going to take this thing to sink? I'm like, oh yes. Well, watch how long it takes this sinking ship to go down and then while you're watching it, think about all of the phrases that come to mind, like the rats jump off first. So basically, it's taken me this long to put this episode out because it sort of felt like the cherry on top of the, it feels like mile 24 of a marathon. It feels like the cherry on top of this podcasting Sunday, this episode, like I am having to acknowledge um, how much work has actually gone into this season. I think um, I needed to sort of pause and try to find the golden thread that I started 
this journey with and and follow it through and see what's showing up for me uh to to move it forward i wanted to like ensure that my messaging was remaining consistent and what is the thing that i'm trying to say in all of these episodes which is just that i absolutely love this experience of of being a human in this body in this world and i want to share that joy with other people i feel like if we can realize that we are enough then all the extra stuff that we're carrying around with us um becomes a little more uh, it becomes a little more clear to us that it's just a, a stand in for something else or that like how many of those things do we actually need in the immediate moment and then how much of it is the the gravy in our life you know and like let's it doesn't matter how much gravy you want or how saucy you want it or how you want to spice it up like I, no judgments it's just you know like let's keep it on the plate I guess is what I'm trying to say <laughs> Uh, so that when I realize that that's how I approach this, then it doesn't really matter to me if, um, you know, my experience going through this life is, is like, when I look at the fact that what holds me back is not necessarily the voice that what when I look at like what's the voice that holds me back that keeps me from putting out an episode or moving forward with this practice or that has me questioning myself and and I really like it's like this weird looming all I can say is it's the voice of my childhood it's the voice of you know like what would the neighbors think and when I realized that like the neighbors that I grew up with, although they were mostly really amazing people that were there in all forms of community. I mean, we lived on swampland that was literally in a subdivision called river plantation where every single street was named after a civil war, uh, personality space site I could call general whatever they are the you know people who um fought for all the things that our country is against (laughs) so when I look at like oh wait a minute I am judging myself according to the colonizers expectations like it's ridiculous to me that I allow those voices to govern the work that I'm doing or that I want to show up in the world to do, or that I let that, um, be the silent judge, um, as to all the things that I'm not accomplishing or, or not getting done on some weird imaginary timeline that was set up for us by, I say us, meaning our generation by a generation of people that gave us a, a, an instruction manual that dude it's they don't give out those in uh that format anymore (laughs) we've moved beyond that information so we're trying to figure it out moving forward we're trying to create a safe space to raise our kids and uh and and give them any sense of faith for the future and so how do we do that inside of all of this chaos and really the answer is one breath at a time bite by bite 
by tuning in to and taking care of your needs, your family's needs, and your community's needs. Not dragging a bunch of excess along with you and attempting to leave it better than you found it. At the very best, leave no trace. And if you have to leave a trace, make it a good one that's easily disassembled or somehow biodegradable. Uh, and so that's the work that I want to keep on doing. Um, and, and that's what it's going to look like and it's going to unfold. And, and I'm really looking forward to season two of my podcast, which uh, is going to continue on these paths. We're not quite there yet. I have a few more episodes to wrap up this season, but I just want to get y'all prepped for the fact that um, this conversation is going to go deeper. We are going to continue to look at what's up with my stuff. And I'm going to continue to ask you what's up with your stuff. And if anything that I'm talking about touches any kind of a nerve with you or gives you something to really ruminate on and want to share your opinions on, whether it's the way you're hanging on to your belongings in your space or um, just a particular item that has so much symbol and significance to you that you can't imagine your life without it, or even the the tools and props and um, fascinating things that go into your particular job and, uh, and, and what you do with them. I want to know. So uh, thank you so much for tuning into this episode, and thanks for hanging out for this ride. And uh, if you w- would be so kind, um, feel free to, you know, Leave a review, uh, rate it, ask me questions, interact. I also have a Facebook group, uh, um, what's up with your stuff, podcasting people. And you know, if you're not already there, I'd love to see you. So join the conversation. Uh, thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye. Hey, I also said I would tell you what this podcast is not going to be. This podcast is not going to be a place where we judge people for what they hang on to or how long it takes them to let go of the things that they may be dragging around with them from spot to spot in their experience. This podcast is not going to be fancy. This podcast is not going to be very well edited. This podcast is going to be messy magic. Me throwing it out there and sharing with you the stuff that I just can't keep to myself anymore. So thanks so much. We're all ultimately just walking each other home. So thanks for joining me on this journey. And if you're enjoying, please follow along. Please leave a review. Find me wherever you're getting your podcasts. And take care. And thank you so much for being here. Anything else you need to know, you'll probably find in the show notes. If not, drop me a message and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Have a great day, you guys. Thanks for joining me. What's up with your stuff?